All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the other Hood Show. And yes, we're at Bar to Bar. Yeah, it's a little different. We've got a bunch of motorcycle guys around us. So uh, we're out of Bar to Bar for the Mega Camp. Mega Camp, Scott? yes, sir. Scott Gepkin was, is kind of, you're the head dude of all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the ring leader. Training, training guys, putting them ready to go and everything, right? Yeah, we've got about 65 athletes is lined up to come right. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> just it. Uh, between us four coaches. So we've got a really good group, um, all ages from little 50 riders, you know, four-year-olds all the way up to we got some vet guys that are, uh, my dad's age, you know what I mean, out here doing it. So we've got we've got a wide range of everybody. It's gonna should be really really good. It's gonna be fun, right? It's gonna be a lot of fun. So kind of tell everybody what's happening. You're training riders, getting them better, all that kind of good stuff. But kind of give them a rundown of what's happening. And yeah, so it's three days. Make camp is three days. We do. Um, we start with the basics. We run through all the basics. Really, the first day is a lot of basic technique, just making sure you're fine tuned. Even if you've done 20 different training schools and you have great technique, we always touch on it. And then we spend the rest of the weekend building on it from there on how what we're gonna build. How, on getting faster and improving skill level, improving speed. Um, there's a lot of big regional races coming up. And so a lot of these kids here this weekend are here to train and prepare for that. So we've got a lot of stuff in store um, to get them dialed in and ready to go. All right. A lot of good things happening. It's a call-in show, 316-462-3673. Yes, it's normally about your car breaking down and understand your car more. But today we want to talk about riding motorcycles out here at Bar to Bar on the, on the motocross track and all kinds of exciting stuff. Got a couple extra guys here with us. Kevin? Yes. So tell us a little bit about your situation and what you do, what happens here and everything else, Kevin. So I am one of the trainers here. We have four of us. Um, and pretty much where my background is I'm currently in the professional racing scene. And uh, I'm just kind of here to give my advice. Obviously, I've trained with kids before and whatnot and just kind of give uh, my two cents on these kids that are trying to come up to get to the next level, what I've done, what I've experienced, and stuff like that. So just bringing my expertise of currently being in the the racing situation okay so let's talk a little bit about you say you're on the pro circuit yes so tell our listeners probably a lot of them don't realize what that really amounts to what that entails so the best way to explain it is the stuff that you can watch on tv is what i'm currently racing so supercross and motocross which is more or less the pinnacle of our sport here in the united states is what i am currently racing it's what we just got done with in supercross and then our outdoor season my outdoor season uh is actually going to start in two weeks so just Outdoor and indoor. So yes. Yeah, so there? indoor is football stadiums, baseball stadiums. Okay. Uh, so it's more or less super cross, tighter, bigger jumps, more technical. Uh, and then outdoors is what technically you see here today. So it's outdoors on a mountainside, hillside, anything like that that has elevation and big jumps. Okay. What kind of bike you riding? Uh, 450 uh, SXF KTM. KTM. Yes. And uh, how many races will you run for the year? We just got done with 17 rounds of Supercross. 17 rounds. 17 rounds. How many days? So we we started January 8th, and okay. it just finished. Just so finished. it's okay. every one every weekend on Saturdays, um, and then uh, outdoors there's 12. They actually start this weekend, but I plan on doing nine of them. I do nine of them. So yes. when's your when's your next race? Uh, June 11th in Denver, Colorado. Denver. So two weeks. TV where we can yes, watch? It correct. will be. What, you know what channel anything uh, like That's that? actually a good question because well, they're changing we'll it all up. It's like Mav TV now, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's on Mav TV, which you can either purchase Mav TV Plus or you can get the uh, like Hulu and uh, Fubo you can stream or YouTube TV. So a lot of ways to watch this stuff. We'll get more entailed as we get going on the show. Jeff, you were with us last year. That's Thanks right. I was. Being back. Hey, man, this is, this is exciting. I love coming on the show here. <laughs> And uh, getting to be part of Mega Camp, also this is the uh, fifth year that we have done it. You know, Scott came to me a couple years, or you know, six six and a half years ago. He's like, dude, we got to do something. 
And so we really put our heads together about yep. it. Obviously, it was Scott's idea. He came to me because I have done training previously. I started training kids actually when I was 16 years old. And, really? And, yeah, and did it for a very long time. And and I, at the time, I was more focused on uh, just having a good time and doing yep. a little bit of racing on the side. And, um, you know, yeah, we just were like, what can we do? that uh, provides value to riders, athletes, people that are looking to have a good time over this weekend. Scott, was the first event on this weekend or was it later in the no, year? No, Memorial Day weekend. We Four out of the five have been Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Um, one weekend they had an, an, another event got scheduled here, so we got pushed on that and we did it over the week of Loretta's. We did it in August. That's right. We did an August weekend. So every other year we've done Memorial Day weekend and that's what we shoot for. We try trying to make it a staple event, Memorial Day weekend. Hey, we got to get get to you know it's on everybody's calendar every to, part of the year and to that point it practically has turned into a reserved weekend where you know formerly back in the late 90s early 2000s we used to do a memorial day race at a track called cahoka in northeastern missouri okay. um now we're here and it's a staple weekend this is part of everyone's schedule i mean like scott mentioned we have almost 70 different riders athletes we have even have entire families there's uh um, I can't remember their names. The, uh, the, butchers. The Butchers, from, yeah. They're from out of Nebraska. Yeah. All four of them. Yeah, mom, dad, brother, sister. Oh, really? That's yes. cool. Uh -huh. so, and that's the thing. is like we've got people from El Paso, Texas. We've had riders from Dubai. Okay, yep. Yeah, we've had uh, – so we've had international uh, people from all over the middle, the west, the east. Everybody has come to this event. And it's um, – we have a really good blend of – from as scott mentioned little little 50 riders that are five years old all the way up to don don's the oldest guy yeah, yeah that's in his 60s so 60s yes yeah, so, you're training trying to get better yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like we offer a program between the four coaches brad's over there but between our four coach program we all have a lot of information a lot of knowledge to be able to um explain what it you know the fundamental we start with the fundamentals and then we work on more advanced techniques as the weekend goes on and it's um it's a it's a very fun event and the best part of it all is at the at the weekend whenever we get to talk about the athletes that we trained and the riders and how much they progressed and it's every single person that comes they have progressed yeah from from day one from the beginning with the time we start today at 10 o'clock by the time we're done at two o'clock on monday everyone has made leaps and bounds in their program. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'd like to use that 60-year-old as an example. And uh, you take my technicians back to the dealership, they're constantly training. And I ask, I'm on my salespeople all the time about you constantly training. Look at this guy, 60 years old, and he's still trying to get yeah, better. Absolutely. Okay? It's, it's never ending battle, is it? No, it never is. <laughs> never is. So kind of tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at the camp. I'm sure there's different, you know, each one of you coaches have a different expertise level you're hitting on or what you're trying to train these guys on or what's kind of happening there yeah so we will take the track um, we'll do a lot of full track riding so we'll break them into group size by bike size um, but we do a we will break the track into like four different sections so each coach will have a designated area and each part of this course has different uh, different things that we run in, different obstacles and different terrain. So each section that you go to is a different, uh, a different challenge, really. And so you're working on different techniques and things. And and we all coach a little bit differently. We see things a little bit differently. So there, you're going to get four different perspectives. And so as a as an athlete on the track, you're going to be taking downloading a lot of information and uh, taking bits and pieces to whatever makes the most sense for them. And then uh, ultimately it helps them improve and go from there. So okay. we will. Oh, so, at the, uh, so at the end of this deal, do you coaches have a race and race each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we did that 
two years ago in the beginning it was a little bit smaller in in the beginning of all this and so we actually had some time to do it and now it has kind of gotten so big it's hard to get away from it and uh I don't know. Maybe we might. Who yeah. knows? We've done it in I the th- past. I think that we should tomorrow that we should absolutely do the last man standing. Yeah. Between the four coaches, which check this out. Okay. So it's, it's ready to go, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, I don't know what this is. So <laughs> Kevin, what's funny is Kevin's the lightest guy, so he actually has a disadvantage. So you think a oh, light really? a, a light athlete will have an advantage on the motocross track where um, the less tonnage they're towing you know right. to get to the first corner and straight lines you know the, the faster the well, motorcycle let's explain goes what's last man standing so, so right so Kevin the, needs to know here right? <laughs> <laughs> so the last man standing, know here. it's essentially a four square you know the kickball okay. game yeah but instead of it being with a ball we all start in a square and then the last man standing that has not put their feet down or fallen over inside of that box while riding on their motorcycle is the winner okay how big is the box <laughs> that's a good question scott is it it's like 15 so, by 15 we'll it's probably it. gonna be a little bit bigger than that we're probably like a 20 by 20 last year we probably did a 15 by 15 yeah. and it was a little too small <laughs> um but it's we'll probably go 20 by 20 so you have a little bit more room to work with and you'll stick two or three riders in there and uh, or however many it is that we determine makes sense yeah and you got to figure it out can't go outside the lines that'll be tomorrow evening tomorrow evening evening. actually and the winners are getting mel hamilton awards that's coming from hamilton love that too so So the thing and the thing about it is um contact is welcome (laughs) (laughs) so so that's where kevin comes in that's where he's got a disadvantage because a guy like me who you know i'm the heaviest of the of the four of us i'm a, a cool 200 pounds and, I um, like that. Contact yeah. is welcome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, contact is welcome. So. Give a little shove. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and so and oh. sometimes that works. It, it works for you and doesn't work it for can you. Work against you. That's we, right. Yeah. One of the kids, we thought he was going to win the whole thing, and he ran into a guy, and he ended up putting his foot down, and so he was out. And the other guy hadn't put his foot down yet, and he ended up winning. So <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. So, what other highlights or whatever is going on this weekend besides training these guys, or is there some other things to? Again, I don't know your sport that well. Just I'm reaching for a lot of things here. So. Yeah, no, it's all good. So so we will do a lot of full track just riding. They're going to get a lot of seat time. That's the biggest part of this whole deal is how much can we keep them on the bike. We will work everything from basic techniques to how to sprint, how to go faster, how to do starts and get better at those. And then like tonight, we were going to have our athlete summit. So this is the first time we've done that. Okay, uh, what's an athlete summit? Athlete summit. So we've got a handful of guys coming on board. Um, we have... Uh, Bud Guthrie from Pro Bud Tire Pace is coming to teach guys how to change tires. And you know, we brought Bud to the store. Oh, okay. You're using it in the... Well, yeah. We use his pace and stuff like that, too. Because yeah. I will tell you, I, I've changed a lot of tires in cars and trucks and semis and that kind of yeah. thing. Change with the motorcycle tires? I hate to tell what kind of words I was throwing out of my mouth trying to change <laughs> yeah. one of those things. That's, so I, we brought Bud in to help train our guys and, and everything else, too. And we use his pace and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. we're getting better at it. Good, Tyler's good. in our trailer today. He's... Uh, He's my master at it so he's, far. He's got to figure That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's good. I have a couple tire irons that are in the shape of a U, so I understand <laughs> yeah. what you're talking about. I am not good at it either. So so Bud's going to come in and change tires. Yeah, he's going to instruct guys how to change tires, tips and tricks, probably kind of a lot of what he told your technicians. Um, we also have Josh Theus, who's over here. He is um, going to talk fitness and nutrition um, because in the motocross Real, world, that is a massive, massive, massive thing because – your body needs to be at peak performance when you're racing, okay, especially. Back at up Kevin's on that man. He's who again? Josh Theus with JT Performance. JT Performance. He's ribbon. What's he bringing? Like shakes or food? No. Or so, so we're not really food. So he has actually fitness equipment. He's a certified personal trainer, 
And okay. so he's going to talk about what kind of workouts and stretching workouts and all of that kind of stuff. stuff he needs to be doing. And then, then the nutrition side we're going to talk is uh, we actually talked a bunch, a bunch of this at dinner last night about certain foods and things you need to eat and do in order to uh, make sure your body's performing the way that it needs to. Um, because you're burning lots and lots of calories when you're out there on the track. And uh, when you're burning those kind of calories, you really have to uh, make sure you're replenishing them and, and getting the right kind of stuff back in. Also, you know, not, I just want to check in right there. So something that has changed within the sport of motocross itself is the technique of training okay. and the importance of it. And like Kevin, high level athlete, truly. I mean, Kevin could do, I don't know if he could do a marathon tomorrow, but his brain <laughs> could push him to do it. Yeah. And he's got the mental fortitude. Okay, let's, let's ask, how much do you work out? Uh, so right now I'm kind of in season, which you're not working out as much cause you're racing on the weekends. So you're trying to recover slash maintain through the season okay. and then off season slash preseason is where, uh, it really, you know, really, gets really heavy yeah. more or less, more or less. Yeah. So typically base. a guy like Kevin will do a boot camp from October, November and December of just like absolute machine training. Um, and, and I, I started to mention the change in, in motocross training. We've gone away from being so cardio-based. Um, and we were actually talking about this at dinner last night, about how much of our sport requires strength training. Now, you yeah. look at a guy like Kevin, and he's not super swole up. Well, the thing about Kevin's strength training is his strength endurance. Yeah. Not strength of just like, I can pick up, you know, 500 pounds or whatever, but yep. it's that endurance of muscle, which um, a guy like Josh, who who is a motocross racer himself, he understands the sport and the necessities and needs of an athlete like Kevin, and he's able to take that knowledge and then give it to all of the mega camp athletes that are here this weekend. And there will be a lot of people that would be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's a, it, at, the, at the youth level and at the amateur level, it's a big missing piece of the program it's a big it, it's just something that a lot of people don't think about it you know if you're eating mcdonald's on the way to the dirt bike track you're not going to perform you're not going to perform very well Correct. hey we got a caller here real quick yep. i want to get more in his training because there's a lot of things we can talk about on that side yep. jordan you're live with under the hood are you there buddy yeah how are we doing today guys we're good man having fun out here at bar to bar learning a lot of stuff about motocross you think about motocross jordan i don't know much about motocross other than those guys have lost their mind. <laughs> like, yeah, the very first like, time I was out I here mean, at Bar to Bar here last year and watching these guys fly through the air, I'm thought, holy smokes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So Right, like I used I used to race a sprint car and I think they're crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're so, crazy on that side too. Not not like that. Those guys <laughs> flying through the air, that's Right. So, Jordan, the but, uh, the car that you were driving was it a wing sprint car with with a wing? Where you do yeah. yeah, wing sprint. Yeah, yeah. wing wing three sixty. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's that's a that's like a, you know, guys. That car weighs what twelve hundred pounds and got eight hundred horsepower. That's like riding a bull. Yeah, yeah that's like they're almost yeah they're almost eight hundred horsepower, twelve hundred pounds. Got a big wing on the top of them. Yeah, they're they're bad to the bone. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So we're learning a lot of stuff about riding two wheels and stuff. And uh, I could probably ride around this grass area, and that's about all I want to go do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that motocross stuff, those guys are nuts. But um, the question I had, uh, being in the racing world and having buddies in motocross, and I, I don't know why I've never asked you of this, I hear you guys all the time talking about the Loretta Lynn, the Loretta Lynn this, Loretta Lynn this. Is, it, is that like literally Loretta Lynn, the country singer? Yes. And oh. if so, what's... 
what's her involvement? I mean, is she when she's not riding tubes, she just loves dirt bike racing. I mean, what, I just I'm curious. What's so, her connection? So Loretta Lens, when they say Loretta Lens, they do legitimately mean Loretta Lens. So the biggest amateur national championship, the the biggest the, the big dog race for all amateurs is actually held at Loretta Lens Ranch in Tennessee. I can't remember what, Waverly, Waverly, Tennessee. That's it. And um, you go right down the street, and you are at Loretta Lynn's house. You are right down the street from there, right down by the creek, and they have a full-blown motocross track that gets used once a year, um, specifically just for that event. And it is the big daddy of them all, I guess you could say. It's the most difficult race to qualify for outside of Pro Supercross, the Pro Tour, anything outside of that. Um, they actually have a two-step qualifying process to get there. So uh, here at Bar to Bar, they have an area qualifier, which is step one. Um, riders show up and go do that. You have to do that race. You have to finish in the top eight. And each region as you go to, depending on their rider turnout, they actually have different requirements. But for this area, you have to finish in the top eight at that race. And then what's coming up, a lot of these riders here this weekend are actually going to their regional races, the ones I mentioned earlier. Um, they have regional qualifiers, and you have to finish within the top six at that race. And actually, Bar to Bar has also held one of those uh, a couple, two years ago or yeah. so. Um, and you have to finish in the top six. And once you finish in the top six of that, you are in for the national, and you are uh, you get to go race. And well, so what's why is she so heavily involved in motocross? What's her luck or whatever? Okay, so it's not necessarily Loretta herself. Okay. It's the thing is is that the uh, Coombs family started this race and there are big promoters in motocross. The Coombs family went to they were looking for a property to hold this race. Uh, the first one, Bruce, do you know nineteen early eighties, something like that? Yeah. So uh, the the it's I mean it was the Grand National Championship of amateur racing. They needed a place to have it. The Loretta Lynn's campground and ranch was the best facility to have it. Um, now Loretta's family does ride off-road dirt bikes, and so they are they were open to the idea of it. And it just there was a connection there. I'm I'm you know not exactly sure what I, the connection is, but yeah. the the facility is fantastic. They have the creek, the campgrounds, wonderful. The uh, they've got a swimming. You know what I mean? They just have all the per, it's the perfect facility for uh, for what for that race to yep. hold that race and to hold that many people that show up. Yeah, what was it Scott? There was 2400 there's like there's a certain number of entries but it's like it's like 1200 entries or something. Yeah, like for that. that race specifically. So yeah. it's the top 40 in the nation. So it's the top uh 40 uh 12-year-olds. It's the top 40 10-year-olds. It's the top 40 right. by age group and then also by skill level. So the top 40 amateur professionals, the top 40 intermediate riders, the top 40 novice it breaks down like that. Um and they have they have a whole list of classes, but it's yeah, 1200 to 2000 entries that actually qualify for that but there's probably well over 50,000 people that try to qualify right. for it jeez yeah now is that, are they on the same bikes as you cats just different skill level or is that a different bike no, it, like these two or like no. everybody there well i mean i can get those different classes what i'm saying is okay so the the bike you ride in supercross um that equivalent class of Loretta Lynn, their bikes are pretty equally matched to what you ride? Or yeah, so my, my, the bike that I race is, quite honestly, pretty much off the showroom floor from Lydico Cycles. So, you know, I race a 450. There's obviously classes from kids being PWs, 50s, 60s, 80s, super minis, 125s, 250s, and 450s. So there's all the classes there. Um, the bike that I race specifically is nothing special on top of that that these amateurs can't get their hands on he's got a lot of trick parts um the at the pro level they have a production rule 
And so you can only do so many things based on what those rules are. So you can't, you can't build a bike in your garage out of all kinds of custom titanium and then go race the pro tour. It still has to meet a bunch of requirements. And it's essentially the same thing. So they want to keep it's, it's, it's as if Mel Hamilton Ford sold race cars that were manufactured by Ford. So uh, there's eight manufacturers. Don't give Phil any ideas. There's eight manufacturers, I believe, in motocross. And, you know, obviously Honda is probably the most synonymous name of, of just like a large Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, so on. The, uh, the motorcycle manufacturers, they build a performance motorcycle, all of them. Um, and it's, it is the most race ready motorsport that you can buy into. You can go to your local dealership and pick up a, du- a dirt bike and take it and race it and be competitive right off of the showroom floor. Whereas you can't go to the car dealership and pick up a Ford Mustang and take it to Lakeside Speedway on Saturday night and expect to, yeah. you know, you know, have any chance in it. Plus you just wouldn't okay, do so that you're at a, a KTM. Car. Yes. And it's a production, uh, performance bike not a, yes. not a one that can just walk in bismo lab and buy yeah no, you, anybody so, can no, go can. buy it yeah yeah oh you, you can. can yes oh you yeah. can yes. yes that's what i'm saying is it's not something crazy special that nobody can get their hands on anybody that wants to go buy a, a bike from Lego cycles can go buy what i have okay so, so you take that ktm off the shelf and yeah. then do you tailor the guys like it we're in, me and jordan are in dirt dirt racing. yes yep and every track you go to, you've got to adjust springs, you adjust bar angles, you adjust J-bars, you adjust mm-hmm. tire pressures, all that kind of stuff. Is it the same thing on the motorcycle? Correct. So you have suspension components that you can change out, uh, adjust stiffer, softer, depending on what kind of track you're on. Uh, obviously, yeah, there's, that's pretty much what I do. I take the showroom floor bike. I don't really touch the engine, at least very much, because the 450 is already pretty powerful. You've got more power than you need. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I just do you know, clutch, pipe, do all the... Like, the a lot of bolt-on yeah, stuff. Yeah, the bolt-on stuff, the feeling to make me comfortable, and then go race it pretty much. So it's nothing too crazy. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this motorcycle is sitting right here in front of us is a KTM 350SXF. This motorcycle right here, you could take and race locally in the beginner class. You okay. can also take this motorcycle. A guy like Kevin can take the motorcycle, have his suspension shop set up the suspension, which is Decker out yep. of uh, North Kansas City. Yep. So he can have his suspension. He'll throw on his controls that he prefers. So his specific bend of handlebars, his set of grips, his set of levers. Maybe if you run the stock foot pegs, uh, Flow Motorsports make. So he's pegs. got the Flow Motorsports foot pegs. They're slightly different. For the most part, that's just creature comfort. It's not actually a performance part. Makes other- you feel comfortable on the bike. Correct. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and it's set up specifically for him. So this same motorcycle that a guy that can race in the beginner class can race in pro supercross like Kevin does. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's ready to race. And there are a lot of guys that show up with brand new bikes, completely stock, and all they've done is adjust the handlebars. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Kevin, yes. what's it take to buy a 450 set up, race ready to go for you to jump in and hit the track? You're talking like monetary? Like how much money yeah, does it money. cost? What's yeah. it cost to buy one of those bikes, have it set up for you, just hit the track uh if you want to get like really into it full-on race prep everything probably 15 to 20 grand but just to get into a bike and you know probably get the suspension redone probably looking at 12 12, 12 grand okay so what's the yeah, stock 450 that's, bike that's cost just coming out of b's motor lab uh, you know about uh, 10, 11. 10, 10 11 grand so 10, 11 grand so you're, spending, you're gonna spend another five to seven eight grand on the bike after correct. you get it to yeah to yeah. get it to your liking to get what you want and then when you hit the track, how many different suspensions do you have and different 
So to be quite honestly, so I don't know, you probably be able to touch on this a little bit better, but they have we have every set of suspension, at least on that I've ran, has clickers so you can adjust them. So you can adjust compression, rebound on front and rear shock. So you can adjust it instead of having to swap complete suspension. Okay. Right. So so he will change he'll have a super cross set that he does for all of his indoor racing inside the big arenas that they're much bigger jumps, a lot harder G outs. And then he'll have a motocross set for riding tracks like this. It's a little bit softer, a little plusher. The, the hits aren't quite as hard. Um, so the bike handles a little bit differently. So those are the two you, sets. How many bikes do you take to the track? Uh, preferably two, but the big races, honestly, I'm only really able to take one because I really? usually have like a transport service since they're all over the country uh, um, that I'll try to set myself up with a transport service so I have the option to fly or drive. That yeah. way, if there's, we're going all the way across the country, I can fly instead of having to drive it. Uh, so most of the time, one, but it's ideal to have two just in case if something happens. Something happens, you get in a wreck or whatever. Yeah. You so I have a up. question for Jordan. Jordan, you mentioned, I heard you say that the motorcycle was super affordable. So whenever you were racing sprint cars, um, obviously, did you did you buy someone else's car? Did you buy it a chassis and then build it from there? Like what your car that you had, what it ended up costing you once it was built to your spec? Oh my gosh, we have a hundred thousand dollars in the car, <laughs> and um, I mean, we had. I mean, I, I I personally couldn't afford that. I mean, we had sponsors and we had right, you know, a car owner that paid for everything. But I mean, we'll have forty thousand dollars in just a motor. Um, I ran a J and J chassis, but there's different chassis you can run. But I mean, just a rolling chassis, twenty grand, and that's a that's a sprint car, a modified uh, a rolling chassis. These days, forty grand. Wow. So um, you know. If someone who knows nothing about motorsports is listening to this show, they may say 10, 12 grand sounds like a lot, but me and Phil are sitting here scratching their heads saying, wow, Maybe you need to switch sports, maybe. You just gotta, you just gotta have the you just gotta have the skill to, to make that to have, you know, to make that bike do the things it needs to do and that's you know, that's what separates the men from the boys, if you will. But so um, I heard you yeah, mention as far as I heard you, sorry to cut you off there. I heard you mention that you had a car owner. So you were the driver of the car. You didn't own the car itself. You were just the wheel man. I was the wheel man, yeah. But I, it was completely funded by, uh, I say car owner. I use that word loosely. It was my dad. Okay. Um, I just didn't want to. <laughs> I would take that on. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but between my dad and, and our sponsors, they, they were the monetary. They financially did, did the whole deal. Um, and I was fortunate enough to drive the thing. How long um, did you do yeah, that for? I, I, uh, I raced go-karts from the time I was 10 till I was 16. I raced a modified from 16 to 26. And I raced a sprint car from 26 to 36. Wow. So, a long time, man. 20 years plus. Yeah, we could, we could go right around here about dirt track racing. That's what I'm into, guys. I drive it. I, I own the car. My son drives it. It's a dirt modified. We're headed, if we get done here, I'm headed to load the trailer up and head to Hayes to go race. We got rained out last night. We'd have been yep. in Salina racing from that part. So it's, it's, it's fun to take these sports and compare them and what it does from that part, right. too. That part. So also, okay, um, let's talk about tires. Yeah. So you guys do. run the Hoosier tire on your car? Yes, I do. Okay, so, and you typically go to the track with... How many sets, because I know you take extra sets of tires and wheels already yeah. mounted. So in a night of racing in that haze, how many uh, how many sets of tires and wheels are you going to burn through? Uh, I try to. I'll be honest with you. We, we try to go to a race and make it through hot laps, which is just your warm-up session. Right. 
then a heat race is eight laps, and then the features are 20 laps, and I'll try to run that same set of tires all night. Okay. But I take three sets of tires with me. Just in case. Just in and, case. And are all three of those match tires, are they the same, or are they, are they different tread patterns and compounds? It's only one tire we can run. Okay. So okay. it's a spec tire? Yep. It's okay. a spec tire, but then we can groove it, mm -hmm. we can sipe it, and we can grind it. Yeah. But then the other key part comes into, and I don't know if you guys probably don't mess with this as much, we have stagger. Like the right rear is going to be bigger than the left rear. So right, it goes right. around the track. Yeah. Same thing on the right front and left rear. And then how much of that stagger you run it depends on what the track's doing right. to set that car up to turn. And what is a, at retail value, what does a set of uh, car tires cost? Uh, the the tire, tire we're running is a Hoosier G60, and it'll run about 150 a tire. Each tire. Each tire. So wow. that's uh, $600 in tires. Yes. And it's good for a night. We'll make it through a night without we'll a call. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe. So, the left front will be okay mostly because there's not a lot of pressure on the left front. But yeah. That right, the two rear tires after that night, yeah. they're done. So, uh, Jordan, to your point about uh, motocross being affordable, here's uh, here's an analogy, and I don't know exactly what the Hoosier tire retails at. I run the Dunlop tire, and the um, at full retail, I think the rear tire is $140, and then the front tire is about – 120 ish in that yeah yep. so a set of tires you're under 200 or i'm sorry under 400 dollars, and those will last you um just the, the re, no the retail model will last you probably it's all ten, based on how much you ride right 10 to 10 to 12 hours of riding which is a handful i mean that's that's about eight a guy like kevin who you know trains 20 30 40 minutes at a time the tire doesn't last as long in a calendar amount we measure the tire time in hours as opposed to days but i bet kevin you go when you go out for one of your big pro races you got a brand new tire on that rear every time yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 that's kind of how our rears are too we go right. for the feature we're pretty much gonna have a brand new tire sitting on yeah there, especially the right rear you're gonna leave that yeah. on the table that's not one thing you're gonna leave sitting out <laughs> yeah. there yeah absolutely yeah. not so are you running uh, the dunlop or are you running a hoosier i run pirelli actually really yeah so i run the pirelli front and rear Okay, is that a sponsor thing or is that a preference? Thing? Um, both, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, hear so. you. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's a sponsor thing that became a preference. Thing, exactly. Right? Is that what yeah. It was? So, like, I started joined in with a, a team that that's what they provided. That's what um, we changed to, and then ever since then, I've just stayed on them. I get it. I mean, yeah. it's it's. I get it. And to that point, I've I've raced, um, you know, on everything: Hoosier, Dunlop, Michelin. Uh, the Pirelli tire, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Yep. So, for example, like the Dunlop tire is like the ultimate consumer tire. It has a really long shelf life on the track. Okay. It's a harder compound. So the dirt, or I'm sorry, the tire, the rubber itself doesn't wear out as quickly. Gotcha. Whereas like the Hoosier tire, which is an on-the-shelf spec tire, which is a fantastic motocross tire, but doesn't have as much lifespan on the track. Okay. Then you have a Pirelli tire, which is a extremely light carcass of the tire, and it has a double compound between the knobs on the inside and the knobs on the outside that you use oh. for cornering. It is a separate rubber compound. That's cool. So it has different uh, different characteristics while on the track, and it's actually the Pirelli is probably the most susceptible to change throughout a day so like in the morning kevin will show up at like let's say a local race uh last weekend we raced at midwest extreme park kevin would show up on his pirelli tire and it would be absolutely fantastic scorpion mx32 is what you're yep. riding right so the scorpion 32 tire will be fantastic at the beginning of the day where the track is super tacky and and really really grabby okay so you yep. get a lot of 
uh, so we'll call it volume. Okay. Yeah. Everything is, is um, on a tacky track. You feel every bump every single time, you know, the handlebars twitch at all. You can feel that. Moving later in the day, a Kevin who's, Kevin's who's running that soft to intermediate MX32 Scorpion tire. Later in the day, whenever the track gets super hard pack and real chucked out, that's not the preferential tire because that compound is not built for that type of, of soil surface. Okay. So we actually, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of pro riders will take two separate wheels, okay, and yep. will start the day with a soft intermediate tire, and then a track like Midwest Extreme that gets hard, it's a clay base, we'll switch over to a harder pack tire in the afternoon. If you come prepared, if you're taking it come that prepared. seriously. You can make it through the day, but like a, but like a Pirelli tire, and not, not to like poo-poo on, on no. a Pirelli, this is my experience from Pirelli, is that later in the day, that Pirelli doesn't perform as well because it's simply just not built to withstand a hard pack surface. So can you, even though it's your sponsor tire, can you switch tires or are you stuck or you gotta stay on that Pirelli? I mean, yeah, I'm pretty much stuck with you're them, stuck yeah. With Which, okay. yeah. I wouldn't want to burn any bridges, let's yeah. put it that way. Well, well I get it. And stuck <laughs> is not the right word. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic, you know, sponsor yeah. with yeah. Kevin, and, and they it. support him very massively. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and that's where I, what I hear is here at Bar to Bar, you've got a lot of sand. Is that correct? Yes. Correct. So that's a different type of tire. Some of them tracks you're going to go on to is going to be a harder dirt tire. Yeah. I mean, dirt track. Yep. And you're going to have a different situ situation there to actually go and stuff. Yeah. So on this sand out here. At bar to bar, what's the what's the tire? It would be the uh, especially the way the track is right now with all the precipitation we had earlier in the week. What's called the scoop, okay? And I can't remember what the uh, model of the, the I can't Hoosier. Think of. What's the Hoosier I'm not scoop that tire? We need yeah. Tyler over here, <laughs> right? So so there's there's essentially four different. Every yeah. manufacturer makes four different style of tire. There's hard. Okay, which is you think like concrete. Essentially, yeah. there's a hard tire. Then you have an intermediate. Then you have a soft to intermediate, which this motorcycle right here has a soft to intermediate tire. That's the Dunlop MX-33. And then the soft tire, which is for sand and mud, which is also the scoop tire. So the tread pattern on that is what um, everybody knows what a paddle tire is. Paddle tire, yeah. Okay. okay, so it's essentially a motocross version of a paddle tire where it has knobs that are shaped in a V that is specifically made for cornering. Pirelli was really the one that started the scoop tire. Okay. Um, Hoosier, had, Hoosier was one of the first also to the table right after Pirelli came out with theirs. And then uh, Dunlop followed with the MX-11, now the MX-12. So it's it's an evolving technology that actually just came out within the last five or six years. Yep. And it's still something that all the tire manufacturers are getting figured out. But it's but a, uh, excuse me, a track like this for motocross i mean regardless of what manufacturer a day like today absolutely uh, an advantage would be to run the scoop tire scoop tire on the rear and then there's also the front tire also that has different uh, tread patterns characteristics different carcasses i mean that you can really get into the weeds with tire setup and we haven't even talked psi oh yeah <laughs> trust me that's the same difference right that's, yeah. that's kind of the same deal with my tires on the car too yeah. psi trust me buddy we understand yeah, <laughs> yeah we do i mean it's, it's we, we we get it yeah <laughs> you'll stand there about two minutes before you're ready to go out in the feature and we're pulling the mud plugs back off and adjusting tire pressure right Yep. stuff too real quick and fast and at, i mean to the tenth of a pound wow is where we're at so wow. typically for for motocross um <clears throat> depending on the sidewall thickness and and the carcass strength anywhere between like a, a dunlop tire which i mentioned is a harder is a harder base compound the dunlop tire will run 12 and a half in the rear 13 in the front 
Now, a Hoosier and a Pirelli, which has less carcass and is a little bit softer of a sidewall, you'll run 14, 15 pounds. Yeah, uh, we usually run 13. I ran through Supercross 13.5 in both front and rear. Really? Yeah, most of yeah. the time. We yeah, jump most. back in between 13 at some, depending on how rutted the track was, but 13.5 was a base, then we go up to 14. Right. Too. That's pretty yeah. close. That's some of the pressures we run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm From a 12 and 12 guy. Really? And always have been. been have been be, for yeah. 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> always 12 and 12. Sometimes 12 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how how these sports really are kind of the same, and the things that kind of correlate together and everything else too from that part. So, yeah. uh, talking tires and everything else, you got to stick with the Pirelli. You say you're running uh, Dunlop. I've got uh, my bike. I'm currently has Dunlops. I'm hoping Bud puts a set of Hoosiers on it tonight. I'm okay. he's going to display. I'm going to try to talk him into changing my tires tonight. <laughs> and and then, you. I've been a Dunlop athlete now for three years. I ran the the Hoosiers before that, and then had uh, Pirelli before that. So I've okay. and then I I bought a set of Michelins for a, a project bike that I had. I've ridden on every tire, but right now, you know, I'm I'm a Dunlop guy. Dunlop. And, and hopefully, moving forward, you know, in the future, they continue to tolerate me. <laughs> okay, let's go another step. You guys can kind of tell me where you're at there. I kind of know from the Hoosier side what's going on, but on our side, we're hard to get tires. The supply is terrible. So how is it with Dunlop? How is it with Pirelli? You guys got a tire shortage. You got an allocation on tires. What's happening there on your other they, side? They were pretty short there for a little bit. Um, I'm sure we're probably getting back to that point now. Um, however, me being in the professional racing, you know, Pirelli, Dunlop, these guys come in with a race rig stacked full of tires for their athletes and everything. You. So yeah. I haven't really seen the, the, you know, the retail side of it. Um, being a problem, but I, I don't know if these guys could touch But more. just in general, everything's hard to get. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, motorcycles are hard to get. Motorcycle parts are hard to get. Gears hard to get. And, and, and a lot of that it has to do because of the pandemic and everything and all this hard to get stuff. And then all of a sudden it got a little bit better. And then now again, it's kind of hard to get again. So, so here's a super technical question. Do you know if the, um, if the Hoosier tire is made out of Indonesian rubber? I couldn't tell you. You couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, so couldn't that's tell you. <laughs> what a question, Jeff. Well, it makes <laughs> a good question. I'm yeah, going to make you find right. out. I'll because be on the, the phone Tuesday the reason, morning by who's your guy. Say, yeah. Hey, yeah, call Irish. Yeah. Irish, I need to know right yeah. now. Yeah, Irish, so, yes. so here's the thing about uh, the rubber situation. Whenever the pandemic hit, we had a rubber surplus, which I don't know if you know this, Kevin. All rubber is com comes from trees. It is yep. a specific petroleum product that is manufactured out of tree sap, essentially. Yep. Okay, now there's a lot of steps to get from trees to rubber. The main problem was so many of these tree processing plants in Indonesia, um, in China, in uh, the Philippines, where all of the rubber is essentially coming from, it was not the shipping. It was not the, it wasn't the shortage of people. The problem was so many of these farms are using such old equipment Whenever you have a company, let's say like TVH, which is a German um, wholesaler of uh, fork truck and heavy machinery products, whenever a company like TVH shuts down, okay, mm -hmm. which I mean, the German company, they're going to be the, the first to shut down because they took the pandemic super seriously. So these, and they're a multi, you know, international global company. Them not supplying the parts necessary for those farms to be able to continue servicing is what stopped or essentially started the rubber shortage yep. because it was the fact that they could not offload or onload, let's say, the rubber trees to be taken to the processing plant. That was the first, first bottleneck, step. right? Yep. So it's only gone out, you know, just a massive upside down funnel since then. And then we see it. 
we don't have car tires, we don't have motorcycle tires, you know, consumer tires, doesn't matter what it is. That's where it started was over bad equipment <laughs> not being able to be serviced. And I know this because I've, I've talked to Rob at, at Dunlop about what happened, you know, explain this to me so yeah. I understand. And he gave me the full rundown of like, you know, it started with this one tiny little thing because there's all these uh, old jalopy oh. forklifts that are being used to process these, you know, all this tree stuff. And then here we see it with petroleum products. And it, yeah, we rubber. get all the way to Mel Hamilton in Wichita, Kansas, too. And it, yeah, yeah, right. can't get tires. Right. And, exactly. and it makes you realize what a global supply chain there truly is and how interconnected everything is and how it's yep. a global economy. And yet one small piece of the puzzle the second that it fails yeah it just trickles yep. outward and then it's just a crisis in every direction we well, have not seen it i don't know scott we have not seen it so much on the dunlop end because we have such a large supply of tires because they dunlop is such a large company which i believe uh dunlop is good yeah dunlop goodyear. is goodyear and then hoosier is continental correct That's correct right so you know, and, and Continental is German company. Is that, I, th I think yeah. So that's there's it all bases about where the tire comes from, where the corporate structuring is built, and how seriously they took, you know, shutting down for the pandemic. Well, and another part of it is 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 when the pandemic began. You know, all these kids couldn't play baseball, they couldn't play football, they couldn't do these team sports. So a lot of guys went and got bicycles. They went and got dirt bikes, right. and so there was a giant influx of new athletes and new people participating in motocross alone. Yep. So there go all new bikes, all the new gear, all the stuff coming off the shelf. So all of these dealerships and places like that were selling out. All these distributors were selling out of uh, parts and accessories and gear. Uh, and didn't have anything to replace it because of all the way back down to the forklift issue, right? You know. And again, to Jordan's point, what a uh, what an affordable sport to get into. Whenever um, you know your your buy-in for a new guy is is ten grand, and he's ready to race for two or three seasons. I mean, these four fifties, you can put a hundred hours on them, and all you ever do is air filter and oil, right? You know, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's more affordable to get into, but the medical bills are higher. Amen to that. It's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. Yeah. I had a, uh, I hey had guys, a 200,000. Hey, guys, you guys have a great day. I've got to get off here. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Good to talk to you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling, yeah. Jordan. Bruce, you want in here? You want, we want to kick Kevin yeah. out? What do we want to do? <laughs> so, so to that point, you know, about the medical bills is I have two $200,000 legs. I knew because last time you were standing, you're on a you're on a cast. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. So here's the it's um, yeah. See, yeah, that. it's come God, back around. Yeah. 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 Dang. Woo. That hurts. It yeah. does. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. Let's not talk negative. Part of it. Have you been hurt? Before? Yeah. Yeah. I've had my fair share. Too many concussions, unfortunately. Uh, and then I did tib fib in my left side, November of eighteen, right before my first season of Supercross. So. I get it. Knock on wood, but you know what I mean? It's, it's happened. It's part of the sport. It's, it's, it's an serve. accepted amount of risk is yeah. what it is. It's yeah. the risk every time you strap that helmet yes, on. Absolutely. Yep. You, know, and, uh, you know, and it's something I think about every time that I uh, load up my motorcycle is am I, you know, and like I acknowledge it. It's something that I actively think about. Am I willing to take on the um, repercussions of what it is that I'm about to go do? You know, and I ask myself that every time because there may be a day that comes where I'm just like, you know what, I'm not, and I'm not gonna go ride, yeah. and that's it. Or you go ride and you still push it as hard. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's when you get to this point, it's hard to go play. Right. It's hard to just go cruise around these days. Yeah, I get it. I understand that too from that part. So, uh, 
So anyway, something we got kind of going all different directions stuff. And what I want to hit back on is that training that you talked about this guy here about yeah. eating and all that good stuff. And I see how your body's more physical into this sport because what you got to go do where Jake, my son, gets in that car. 90, I tell him 95 percent of getting behind that steering wheel is, is mental. Yeah, but absolutely. it's still a physical thing. It's he works out all the time. He he probably didn't eat the best or whatever from that part. But so do you have a regimented schedule of how you do a day or how you get ready for the race that day? To an extent. Yeah, definitely on race day. Um, however, as of recently, like in the past, I really hadn't really worried about what I've eaten and stuff yeah. like that. But I'm getting to the level now that that's that is a thing, you know, staying away from gluten, dairy, just like different things that I've been doing lately. Uh, to try to help performance, yeah, it, it is starting to become a very big deal, yeah. Are you yeah. getting older, Kevin? Is that what it is? Dude, here? it's just catching up to me. I can't, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, yep, 22. Okay, so what time, is this, I want to go through a day with you. Okay, you wake up in the morning, let's say, when, what, is there a certain time of the day you normally race? Um, really depends whether you're Supercross or outdoors. Outdoors ends up starting earlier than Supercross because Supercross is more of like a night show. Like okay. it's a whole thing. So let's take that in a night, stadium. Let's take that night show. Okay. Wake up in the morning. What's your day? How do you go through your day when you're getting ready? To uh, usually on, on race bike. day, I'll wake up, try to do some sort of yoga slash stretching just to get my body warmed up for the day. Wild thing that I've learned is just like the simple stretching and yoga can make your day, whether you're an athlete or not, just so much better. Just feeling limber and not feeling groggy more or less gotcha so doing that getting something good to eat heading to the track usually you something good to eat what do you eat so you know eggs avocado you know yep. i've been unfortunately staying away from bread because i used to eat sandwiches like every morning and every yep. afternoon because it was quick and i could keep moving and that's just started to catch up with me over the last couple of years so no on the sandwiches okay yep <laughs> so, yeah so or just bread is the biggest thing that i've had to cut out this is the toughest thing for me oh, more sure. or less uh, just cause it's easy for me and it's, it allows me to keep going. But yeah, so the biggest thing is just natural foods, you know, not cereal, not, you know, yeah. anything that's clean, super processed. Clean yeah, foods, yeah. Clean foods. So, um, yeah, just that. And then we jump into getting to the track around 10 or 11. Uh, usually everything gets going around noon and then, you know, you have your qualifying sessions. Then when you come off, you're getting, you're eating healthier snacks, fluids, stuff like that and getting into racing and just, you know, trying to be as prepared as you can going into it. Do you eat kiwis? I don't. Really? I like, I love kiwis, but I don't really eat them. You know, the kiwi is a, is a natural superfood that has a massive amount of potassium in it, which is something that a guy like Kevin do, um, I mean, the amount of potassium that you burn through in a day is huge. Is, is huge. Yeah, I mean, at his level, especially once you start getting into outdoor motocross. Um, but also what might surprise you is the amount of sugar that guys consume also do you do, do you, you know i'm trying to stay away from sugar that's one yeah. of the things that i used to not care about and that's what i've been told is to stay away from sugar but it's almost impossible well, how much sugar's in everything now we're talking specifically on race day you actually want a little bit sugar right. on race day yeah so uh not not to take it away from kevin but like me whenever i'm doing uh, a race that has even if it's like a, a, a local race i'll sign up for three or four different classes there's not much sitting around, you know. You got to be going, yeah. That's right. There's in a moto order, we'll have 20, 22 races that we race twice. Okay, so I'm going to race eight times in a day, and each one of those times is about 10, 10 to fifteen minutes. So uh, between practice in the morning, then racing uh, eight times throughout the day, I'll clear every bit of thirty five hundred calories. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Now you can you you can't replenish that throughout the day 
Okay, so you have to have those calories on board before the day even starts. Yeah. Now, however, you can refuel pretty quickly and get your body to regenerate fast through simple sugars. Literally, kiwis, oranges, um, grapes, bananas, etc. You know, simple, simple stuff. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of these guys that the new, and this is something a lot of people are trying, where they're going so far as to eating pixie sticks. Doing like literally drinking, drinking soda right after races. I've, I mean, you've seen guys. Yeah, I've yeah. actually seen a lot of guys do that. It's yeah, and it's it's the soda the, getting the sugar back in you. That's that exactly right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Because that's it, after the race. That's directly after the race. That's where they pull off of the track from a thirty-six minute pro moto, and they go back to the truck and they reach past the water and go for a coke or a Mountain Dew or something like now, that. Now they're gonna race again. Yes, they're gonna race again. So about, that's in between race. It's after the race, right. but in between right. races. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, to reset the body going into it's glycogen is yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a specific thing that your body has to. And I, you know, Josh would be able to answer this pretty well. Um, but it's there's this very specific thing that your body has to reset on in order to be able to go. Because also, mind you. We're burning not just fuel, but adrenaline as well. Oh, yeah. So like sitting on the starting line, and I'm sure that you guys know this from, from car racing, sitting on the starting line, whether it's a pro outdoor national supercross race or just a local race, you're sitting there. And usually if you don't have your wits about you, you could easily be sitting on the starting gate and you haven't even put your bike in gear yet. And your heart rate's 150, 160, oh, just yeah. sitting there. I'm doing that when my kid's getting ready. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, um, so there's a rule of thumb of you take, uh, what is it, Kevin? 220 minus your age is your target heart rate while racing. 220 so, minus two, your age. That's okay. right. Yeah. So uh, a guy like me, I'm 33 years old. So my target heart range uh, or heart rate range whenever I'm racing is between 175 and 185. You put something on your monitor that way you're racing? Absolutely. So I have a Polar uh, Vantage M that I wear uh, as a wristwatch that monitors and tracks everything that I do. And then I actually have a Polar H10 heart rate monitor strap. So an Orbital, which is a wristwatch, doesn't track as well as like a heart rate monitor. So it's got this little device right here with a strap. That little device right there is as accurate as it can get. Okay. Really? Do you so do that too? Yep. Yeah, yep. Polar as well. Yeah. yeah. Really? All, yeah. all pro athletes, even. I'm surprised you don't have one on on Jake. Well, yeah, I think yeah. I might have to. Actually, I'd be really curious. I would to be know, too. To know what kind of uh, what kind of heart rate you know it is. That I would be too. That they're that they're using running when they're yeah. Hell, right. rush hour, going to lunch on Kellogg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Bruce from Bar to Bar just joined us. Bruce, thanks for taking over the mic. I guess Scott probably has a lot of things to get going, get things yep. set up and stuff too. So. A lot of exciting stuff talking to these guys, and it's, it's fun to find the, the commonalities between our dirt racing and, and motocross racing and all that kind of stuff, too. So, Bruce, thanks again for having me out here. Thanks for letting us have the show out here. Thanks for the great partnership that Mel Hamilton Ford Racing has with you and Bar to Bar. Uh, we got to get these guys switched over to Hooters somehow. I know, right? <laughs> I, know. I was listening in, and I was like, oh, no, don't do that. They're, no. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's what I call good, clean competition. It is, right? Yeah. And there's so much bad competition out there too, guys, and everything else too. Uh, you know, I've got my partnerships that we have with Mel Hamilton Ford and Mel Hamilton Ford Racing and the dealership and all that stuff, and uh, you know, other people that are have their partners and all that kind of stuff. But it's you got to have good, clean competition, right. uh, and that's why I asked all those questions about those tires. I want to know why you're on your Pirelli. I want right. to know why you like the Dunlop yep. and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be on the phone with Irish. Yeah. First of the week and talking to Irish, what I what I heard, I probably you, have to go listen to the show. And listen yeah, to what you, you, had you to bring say. up my name to Irish and he'll laugh you off of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's friendly competition, you yes. know, and, and so 
to that point specifically, we I so I have a race team that competes in the Hoosier Tire Arena across Outlaws. Okay. Okay. So and obviously Hoosier is a major sponsor of that blown over here. Yeah. <laughs> Hoosier's a ma- major part of that series. Um and and you know Dunlop saw an opportunity to use my team as friendly competition. Yeah. Okay. And, and so Irish, you know, we tried working out a deal with Hoosier. We had different ideas of what we wanted to do with the race team. Who uh, Dunlop stepped in and and was able to provide for us. You know, and and no hard feelings. But still, you can tell there's that bit of like. Yeah. You know, I want my guys to be Irish just because, you know, or Irish as riders, just because of the tires. Yeah, sure. You know, and like, and and it's cleaning. I mean, we've we've uh, you know been standing around. I'll watch my riders. He's watching his, and we're standing there elbowing each other. And it's like, God, <laughs> you know. But it's uh, it, it is, and 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 then the corporate competition also, yep. and seeing Hoosiers uh, drive to become a leader in the market, and then Dunlop with, and what's wild is you get outside of America. So like Kevin runs the Pirelli tire. You go race the Grand Prix, the MXGP uh, series uh-huh. over, you know, which is a global series. It does every continent in America or in the world. Pirelli is the leading tire globally. Dunlop is the leading tire in America. Strictly marketing. Yeah. Strictly it's all marketing. marketing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that goes back to what you were alluded to earlier, Phil. Your Mel Hamilton Ford's relationship in the racing industry here in the Midwest uh, doesn't go unnoticed. We we appreciate you just as much as uh, you appreciate us. And and the fact that you support all kinds of racing and all walks of life that participate in those sports, yeah. it's awesome. You know, last night we had the pleasure of getting the racetrack ready where all these kids are and, and riders are coming in and their parents and, and next door they're having a drag race, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just awesome. I, our kids and we're like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then it's fun because when they have a drag race, they'll come over here and watch the, you guys are crazy. I can't believe, you know, and I'm like, it's that's what makes it awesome. And you guys yeah. are in deeply involved in the community and in the sports, uh, all of those sports. And, and it, it, we thank you very much. And uh, the, to bring this caliber of people to Wichita yes. for three days over Memorial Weekend, to be in our city, to be in our town, to go, you know, spend time in our restaurants, in our hotels, and just spend time in our community. To me, that's what I get excited about. Yep, you know, and to Bruce's point also about Mel Hamilton's uh, partnership with the track and participation in motocross as a whole, it is known throughout oh, the industry. Believe you know, it. On, on, an, on an amateur level, yep. people know who Mel Hamilton Racing is, yep. even though they know nothing about the actual car dealership itself. But whenever they come to this race, which polls from all over the nation, yep. they see that trailer with those tires, the parts, the fuel, everything. And people are like, wow. And this now, is and we talked about this a couple of years ago. Now, Oh, it's becoming Mel Hamilton's going to be there, right? Be there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, circle tracks, no different than drag racing, motocross. We're a weird bunch, right? And We're we want to, we want to, <laughs> we want to do business with people that we like and trust. Right. And it takes a little bit to gain that. And yes. once you get that, not only do they like and trust you, but now they're dependent on you. You better yeah. be there. Right. You know, it's <laughs> like we go to, we go to a lot of tracks, guys. I've got, yep. I got two trailers. I got four vans. And I've got Connex boxes set up at actual race trailers that are stocked with parts and stuff so we don't have to haul that big trailer and everything else, too. And some days we'll get there and don't sell much. Sure. And my guys will come back a little down and say, hey, guys, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. That racer knows we're there. We right. need to be there when they need us. And we got to be there consistently so they can depend on us. So and it's I, okay we don't sell And I know you're wrapping up. I was just visiting with your guy, Tyler. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of prep track practices and stuff like that not expected to have a bunch of vendors on site for a Sunday afternoon prep tech practice. But we need to get creative on 
maybe a propane cage with race fuel in it for that practice. Okay. We have it here. We stage it here. And we just do a consignment inventory on a weekly basis, right? And he's that. like, that's a, that's a great idea. Because once they know you're here, that means now they think we got fuel, too, all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they go, wait a minute, where's the fuel? Yeah. Bruce, probably the easiest thing to do is I'll go buy another Connex box. Like I've done it, I've done it at Enid. I got one at Salina. And uh, we just go buy another Connex box. Yeah, we'll figure something out, right? But I think those, those, in order to provide our product and service uh, on a much broader scale, on a much more frequent scale, is going to do nothing but benefit the sport benefit each one of us and yep. and most importantly benefit the racer right yeah. and also i mean let's be honest with the nature of of buying vehicles right now people know mel it's mel it. hamilton ford racing that's it right and so look at the pits yep i mean how many seventy five thousand dollar trucks are sitting mm-hmm. out here yep and and you know like we were just talking about people from across the country are looking for those vehicles and like it's simply brand impression you know, ma- making an impact a positive impact which yep. you guys do with yep. every time you interact with a customer is hey yeah no we're gonna sell you this uh $100 can of fuel <laughs> and smile at you and talk to you you know yep. but I mean really what we're trying to do is sell vehicles <laughs> <laughs> you know but, but it's just it, the it byproduct right that's right it, it is it's just that's a byproduct right. and you treat them right at the track and, and Phil told me this, you know, a couple years ago. We treat them right at the track when they're ready and they want to come talk to us. We'll treat them right at the dealership too. Absolutely, it's just that simple. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot Can't easier. Get <laughs> We're getting. It's a lot easier to sell a seventy-five thousand dollar truck to someone that's already participated in the sales experience here at the track with a set of Hoosier tires. It's a valid point. Yeah, yeah. like you trust you and believe you before they're going to buy it. That's it. Yep. And, yep. Uh, that part. But anyway, yeah, gentlemen, this has been fun. Uh, we can almost make this a two-hour show, I think. Keep going and talk about everything. That's only if Jeff has the headset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I can stand here and talk for four hours. I told Scott, I said, we just made a mistake. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, anyway, nice to meet you. Yep, now appreciate I, it. I got excited. To go, now I'm going to try to turn my TV on and watch yep. and see where you're at and what you're doing and all that kind of stuff. Excited for you. Thank you. Uh, excited that you're here in our in our town. Excited to train these kids. And that's the other thing about that I've done over my try to is you got to get these young kids to come up that's with it. you and this is yep. this is a huge thing to get these kids to keep all these sports going i don't care where's dirt track drag racing even the go-karts that's all that right. stuff you got to get these young kids involved in this now, kevin this was your first pro race right here at Bar-to-Bar. yeah it was that? yeah dude, really? i do I remember that pro race yeah and yeah. i was in it i was in yeah, that yeah. Race. it was uh five four years ago 2017 yeah 2017 yeah so five years yeah. ago maybe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll never i do remember that i do remember that State championship too, yeah, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah walking absolutely. away with some cash. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, we get paid." <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, Topeka, Kansas. You are from Topeka. Yeah, my, my yeah. sister lives there. Really? Yes. Yeah. Been lived there a long, long time. I went to. I, I worked in Topeka. Uh huh. Eighty-five to ninety-three. I was at the Pontiac Cadillac store there wow. on Topeka Boulevard. Oh, okay. Yes. So okay, so, Kevin, we were, we were actually talking about this the other day. Do you know Taco Villa? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah, and you've never been. Don't really think That's, so. Yeah. Did you ever go to Taco Villa? Are you familiar? God, I don't know. Okay, so it's uh, it's it's this hole in the wall place. It's the old boy still works the counter. The guy that owns it, very similar to Bruce, jolly, just the happiest guy. Anybody that comes in is family, and it's literally just fried tacos, burritos, and then they have this thing called a thing, and it's a flat uh, fried taco with a little bit of meat, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of sauce sprinkled on it. It's like three bucks. It's Oh, amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it's Taco Villa. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I right. remember talking about Casa. I don't remember talking Yeah, exactly, right? It's, um, it's Topeka famous. And, uh, okay, and it's, okay. All right. Yeah, I, okay, now i got to ask my sister about it. Yeah. Well, she'll know right away. <laughs> yeah. She probably does. Yeah. And then I live right down the road in Lawrence where University of Kansas is. Yeah. yeah. So during the summer, Kevin and I train a lot together. And then oh, during you? the winter, he goes and does all his Supercross stuff, which 
I don't, I don't, I'm not good at indoor stuff. I never raced Supercross. I raced Arena Cross, which is, uh, we'll call it the development league of, of Supercross. And uh, Kevin races inside of uh, Supercross stadiums. My team races inside of, uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Inside of football stadiums, my team races inside of hockey arenas. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. yeah, that's so, the difference. That's, yeah. that's, so that's, our, a good, that's a good analogy. I've never heard it put that way. Yeah, our yeah. tracks are 25 to 30 seconds long. Kevin's tracks are 50 to 60 seconds long. Yeah, For so one lap. Yep. One lap, yep. Got to be some endurance there, doesn't it? Yeah. And how many laps will you make? In, uh, in the main events, it goes heat race is like six minutes plus one lap. LCQ is like six minutes plus one lap. And the main events are 20 minutes plus one lap. So it's it's 22. So it don't matter. You 22, 23 laps. laps. Yeah. 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 Up to like in the sort of courses we end up having, we end up doing like 28 laps or something like that. And all pro motocross is based off of time, not off of laps. Time only, yes. not laps. Yeah. Huh. So we'll race. So like at Outdoor Nationals, it's 30 minutes plus two laps. Hmm. And then at Supercross, 20 minutes plus a lap. And then at uh, Loretta's, where Jordan was asking uh, the amateur national, it's 20 minutes plus a lap for all Very the amateurs. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Guys, we got rider meeting. I know Phil's got a lot to do. You're going racing tonight, right? I'm headed to Hayes. Good yeah. for you, man. Good luck. Good thank luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks for hanging out with this hour. Glad to be yep. nice to meet you. Good Indeed. luck on all your racing this year. Appreciate Good luck that. to you, too, yeah, Jake. Thanks for having me back. For being yeah. on board. As always. Bruce, again, thanks for the partnership. Pleasure. Thank you, sir. Gentlemen, go have some fun. Go it's do some ride. Be safe. And let's go uh, burn up some fuel and some fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this for Kevin. Uh-huh. Kevin is a self-funded motocross racer. If you are interested in being part of the Moran's Mafia, That's check out point. Kevin on Patreon. I don't know the URL. but Moran'sMafia.com. Yeah. So the cool part of it, yeah, it's M-O-R-A-N-Z. So the cool thing about Kevin is like where um, uh, Jordan was mentioning earlier about being sponsor-funded. Motocross is the same exact thing. It's an yep. extremely expensive sport. All, you know, although it's cheaper than racing cars, still a guy like Kevin pays for everything out of pocket or his sponsors do. Yes. And you can you can help out Kevin and, and other privateer racers, which, I mean, he's one of the top guys That's in nice the country. nice of you, Jeff. Good job. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, give the man a hug right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> National television. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks again. No, thank you very much. Have fun. And uh, like I said, let's go burn us some tires and fuel. Cool. Have a good week, guys. Thank you.